This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. Voluntary principle states that all human relations should happen by mutual consent or not at all. This podcast aims to promote respect for the voluntary principle in all walks of life and for all age groups. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Everything Voluntary. If you'd like to kick back a small commission from every Amazon purchase you make at no extra cost to you, please use and bookmark our special link at AmazonEVC.com. That's AmazonEVC.com. Uh, before we start the episode, I want to invite you to join me as a featured guest. I'd love to chat and get to know you and give you this platform to bounce your ideas around. To schedule, go to the main website at EverythingVoluntary.com. On the right-hand side, there's a link to schedule with me immediately. Click that link, select a day and time, answer the questions, and submit. That's all it takes. Thank you so much. Hey, Skyler. How's it going, man? It's going well, uh, Mr. Brendan. Uh, tell me how to say your last name. <laughs> you just call me Brendan, man. Mr. Brendan. Yeah, uh, you could just say Brendan from Master Talk, man. My last name's way too complicated for most people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you said Brendan How do you from... feel it, by the way? You've been sick for like three weeks, right, or something? No, no, just... Um... Yeah, just just wasn't feeling well that day. Um, I know we I know that we've rescheduled a couple of times, so <laughs> I apologize. No, I was just checking on your health. I don't mind the rescheduling. I was just uh, uh yeah, no, I'm okay. It wasn't it wasn't coronavirus or anything like that. Um, it was just kind of being worn out <laughs> with All good, some man. stuff. So yeah, yeah, stuff happens. Yeah, so so tell me where you're from. I'm based in Montreal. Montreal. Yeah, Montreal. Canada. You know this? It's like uh, yeah, yeah. You got it. It's like seven hours from uh, oh. New York City. Uh, well, Salt Lake City is where I'm at. Sorry, I thought yeah, you were Utah. in another part of the world. I didn't know you were just north of me. <laughs> Where did you think I was from, India? <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to think? <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm based in Montreal, born and raised. I, I go to the states a lot for work, mostly. Oh, okay. All right. Well, how do you how do you like Canada? Were you born that's there? That's great. That's why. I, that's why I never left. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've literally been living in the same house since I was born. I've never uh, actually. No, I moved. I moved to this house when I was three, but I've never, uh, never left. Do you have a big family or anything? Yeah. Well, I live with my I live with my mom, sister, grandfather. So we're all just we all just chill here. Well, I make my YouTube videos in my basement, and I guess not anymore. But I guess when I start. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so we don't, we don't really know each other. We just, um, I guess you discovered my podcast and reached out through that matchmaker service, which I've spoken to a couple of people from there. It's been kind of interesting. So glad to meet you. Likewise, man. So tell me about what you do. Your note said that you, you teach kids public speaking. You got it, man. So essentially what, uh, I guess the summary is I started a YouTube channel last year called Master Talk and the goal of Master Talk, pretty simple. It's just to create free communication tools where everyone in the world can master public speaking because a lot of the information out there is really bad. So I started making videos, and then for some random reason, it turned into a business. 
that I started coaching executives and kids. And here I am today, man. But uh, but usually when I come on shows, I don't really talk about the business side. It's more about like uh, the YouTube channel or really any. I, I know your your show is a lot more informal and a lot more based on different philosophical questions about life. So I'm happy to go there as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, you can think of me as the most easygoing guest you've ever had in your life. I'm literally sitting on a mattress. Like, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm okay. pretty, uh, pretty laid back. How old are you? 24. 24. Wow. That was... 12 years ago for me, I was, when I was 24, I had been married for three years and my wow. first son was two years old. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never, I'm not going to have kids for a long time. I think I'll have kids when I'm your age. <laughs> when you're, when you're an old fart like me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, at, Come on. <laughs> I'm at three kids now and, and my oldest is 15 and I'm just starting to show him how to drive. Um, so that's, that's a, that's a fun time for him. I remember when I, when I first started to learn to drive, uh, my mom taught me how to drive. She taught all of us how to drive. We're, we're five kids. Um, so we all learned from her who taught you to drive. Oh, my driving instructor. Okay. So just like at school. Yeah. I'm actually kind of weird. Like I got my license and I never drove again. (laughs) Do you still remember how? (laughs) I don't even know, to be honest. Jeez. I know I have all my demerit points and everything, but I know I never drove ever since. I just got the license and I said, yeah, I don't want to own a car. So <laughs> just... are, are you in Are you in a part of the city where it's, you, you can get around without a car? Oh, yeah. Montreal has great uh, uh, public transit systems. Because uh, like, we have a car at home, but uh, my mom usually does the driving. Like, I'm, I'm pretty nuts. I'm a, I'm a weird character. I'm just like... I'd, I'd, like I'm very because what's what's great about living with my parents is they optimize my life for me, and I just pay all the bills. So essentially, what happens is all day I could just work or do, and everything is all taken care of for me. So so life is pretty great here. I can't really complain. <laughs> well, that's so, yeah. yeah, that's good. Um, okay, let's see what else. <laughs> yeah, what else? What else you got? What else you got? <laughs> well, well, tell me, were were your parents immigrants to Canada? You got it. So my, my dad, I, I never, I never know the exact year. My dad immigrated early '90s, and then my mom came down in '95, and then she gave birth to me in '96 in uh, in Montreal. Where are they from? Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's like India, Sri Lanka, Nepal. It's all the same to us. <laughs> it's all the same to me too. It's all the same Maybe to you too. Maybe not Nepal, yeah. but definitely yeah. Sri Lanka and India, sure. Yeah, my uh, my wife's an immigrant from Mexico. Oh, I thought you were going to say Nepal. I was like, uh, no, no, no. Well, I don't know. Same thing. You're all brown, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like you. You're cool. And uh, yeah, it's you know, I, and I've I've worked in my his, in my work history and stuff. I've worked with a lot of people from a lot of different South and Central American and Mexico, and cool, most of Did them are pretty. Did you meet your wife in Mexico? What's that? Did you meet your wife in Mexico? No, no, no. She she immigrated here in 1999. She first moved with her family to Chicago, and then she moved with her sister to Salt Lake, who was getting married and having a baby and stuff. So, but uh, what I was saying was, um, working with people from those areas, when if you they get kind of upset and they don't like when they're called Mexican when they're not from Mexico, you know. I mean, obviously, right? I mean. Anyway, so it's it's kind of interesting. I think but. I think most people are just too sensitive about everything. These yeah, that's and... that's kind of true. Um, but that could just be my white privilege talking. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm I don't have that, so I guess uh, I guess I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, I think most people are too sensitive. 
Yeah, yeah, you're you're uh, Yeah, man, I we we hear about a lot of um obviously it goes both ways, but we hear we hear about a lot of strange things that are happening in Canada. Probably probably the strangest thing right now is just some of the What is the strangest thing we put too much maple syrup or our pancakes, dude? <laughs> What's the strange happening? No, no, no. Okay, here uh, let's get serious here. All right, let's get serious. <laughs> no, just just the stuff that's happening with like hate speech laws or like the the gender pronoun laws where you can't mispronounce somebody or you get a fine or you go to jail uh, or what, what's going on there? That's, that's that's just hard. That's just Peterson kind of being a loud mouth. No one really cares about that in Canada. We're just we're just all happy people here. There's not, there's no war going out about that. Like uh, okay. really, uh, it's just it's just it's just Peterson. He's he's from Toronto, right? So he's just uh, woo. He's like it, one. Per, he's like the okay, only so person. Okay, so that's in the thing. Like Toronto, Quebec, they're kind of like a different breed, right? It, it's not that different, man. To okay. be honest, I, I think the the only difference is we all speak French in in Quebec. Like I speak French, but I go to Toronto like once a month, so it's not a, well, not anymore because of COVID. But usually, so it's all it's all the same breed, man. We we all we all we all hired the same prime minister for the same reason. He's a handsome guy, very good looking. So we said, yeah, let's give him let's let's make him prime minister, and we all seem to agree. And, we all eat our maple syrup. We all live in our igloos, and uh, it's all happy go lucky. <laughs> uh, you know, another the thing. States, on the other hand, though, that's oh, a whole other shit. Thing. We're, we're all looking at you guys. I don't know why you're thinking weird stuff's happening to Canada, but we just walk. Hey, we gotta. We gotta. We gotta sort of sometimes put on our blinders down here. We'll go crazy, and we gotta look at. We gotta find crazy other places to make us feel better. Yeah, so and they picked Canada. <laughs> you're oh, Canada. We, we see crazy in other places. Let me tell you, Brandon, the craziest stuff that's happened in Canada. But I was like, uh, I think I saw tumbleweed like go through. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I think I've always wanted to visit Canada. Um, if I visited Canada, where where would be the best place to start? I mean, I'm pretty biased. I love Montreal. That's why I never left. But just to give you an idea, like my rent here is like 800 Canadian a month. That's what is that like 500 US? I don't know. Like I'm just, it's just yeah. life is great here. Living expenses are bottom. You you sound cool because you speak French because you like buy but you don't need, you don't need French to get around the city everyone's bilingual here I I just love the place it's just really cool it's it's very it's a suburban like city with a European zest while still being Canadian so it's it's a good mix I just really like being here it's great life is great man I, I'm not, I'm a pretty positive guy Whereas, Toronto Toronto's a great city too all of them are awesome it's just you know everyone's got the pros and cons like Toronto is more like New York. It's like a miniature version of New York. It's like, it's just people aren't assholes. That's the difference. That's it. Like, uh, people in Toronto are really nice. It's just, it's just really big, the city. Whereas Montreal, you can get anywhere in like 15 minutes, literally. Wow. Okay. Montreal sounds pretty, pretty cool. I don't, I don't know if we'll ever have the chance to do it, um, but I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Um, okay. What do you, do you have, I mean, what do you think about the state? Or, or let me, before that, let me ask you this. What do you think about the queen? Oh. Jeez, I'm a pretty unexciting guy. I'm indifferent. I, I don't I don't particularly find her super exciting, but I also particularly don't find her super boring either. She just she's just a human being, so I guess. Well, she, she that's just, one of the things I don't think I don't think I didn't really I didn't really know this for a long time, and really until I started watching The Crown on Netflix and kind of <laughs> looking a bit more at the situation. But I didn't even know that she was Queen of Canada. Like I had no idea. Oh yeah, most of us don't either. Yeah, <laughs> but it's cool. I mean, she's a nice lady. It seems. Yeah, yeah. There's no harm. So, uh, 
Yeah, you'll you'll find out throughout this conversation. I I don't I don't have many strong opinions on things because I think anyone who has a strong opinion is probably delusional to a certain degree. You know, my in my opinion, truth is always found in the middle. And I wish more people had that perspective. Like everyone says, like I need to pick Trump or Biden. Very few people people go, what can I learn from the other side that I'm not supporting? Wait, 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 wait. You're having that conversation in Canada. What do you mean? Yeah, of course. You need to pick Trump or Biden. Oh my God! Bullet no, in your head, right? Yeah, this idea of like, um, like I mean, not picking. We're not picking one of the. We can't pick. One right, of them. right. We're not Americans, but I mean, more in the sense of like, like that whole election is a great reminder that the world is very divided, even if the difference between both sides is like, like the the way I talk about it is like, Republicans and Democrats, they both eat the same Big Macs. They both watch The Crown on Netflix. They both have great families. Are they really that different? Are their policies really that different? We make such a fuss about it. It's like so stupid. That's why for us, we, that's why I like Canada. It's just, we all just pick the most handsome person we or a beautiful person. We put them in office and we all just say hurrah. Like we keep the thing simple here. You know, we're not, <laughs> that's it. If, you, if you're pretty, you get elected. If you're not, you don't. It's just uh, simple. <laughs> so it's simple. Uh, all right. Well, it's just, why don't we, why don't we just keep it simple? You know? Yeah. Yeah. People get too emotionally attached over things that will have little impact in their lives. I think that's the big thing that I'm pushing here. Yeah, no, I like that. I, I think that's very uh, stoic of you. I don't know if you're familiar with um, stoic, stoicism, stoicism yeah. and stuff. What do you know about that? I'm, I'm definitely not as intellectual as you or any of my philosopher friends. Like, I'm not the guy who's going to read meditations or you know, just dive into Aurelius's readings. I, I, I read like the, 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 the Stoic for Dummies overview. So something like uh, a Ryan Holiday. Oh, Ryan, Ryan Holiday is a great writer, I mean. But I yeah, mean, somebody yeah. who like... Uh, yeah. There you go. Dan Ryan Holiday. But I mean, exactly. So <laughs> I even bought... I mean, I'm even lazier. I don't even read the book. I just listen to his talk. Right? So, and Ryan's great. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not as philosophical. Like, I, I'm not big on like reading Nietzsche or anything like that. But, uh, but yeah, definitely. I, in many regards, I am a stoic. I'm very unemotional about most of the decisions I make. So, for example, like the decision I made to live with my mother, like, you know, most most people in society wouldn't do that if they were making like a six-figure income or something. Whereas me, it's just like, it makes perfect sense. Like, I don't have a girlfriend. I don't plan on getting entering that stage of life until my 30s. I really want to make master talk work and I don't want to cook or clean or do laundry. And the and I, my, I get to retire my mother. She doesn't even have to work. All she has to do is do the house chores and then sleep most of the day and she's happy I get that privilege. So I just went with that. Like, that makes more sense. I'm just very unemotional about these decisions. There's obviously some emotion in play, but I meant more in the sense, like, there's a lot more objectivity. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, th- I, think, that's, I think that's fantastic if that's something that's working for you and your mom. And where, where's your dad? Is he? Oh, around? he passed last year. He passed last year? What did he pass uh, from? Uh, colon cancer, I think. I, what is it called? Colon? You know, colon? you have too much alcohol in your body? Something like that. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, no, I, I, so I don't know how much you know about me, but we're, um, our family, we're, we're what is called unschoolers. It's probably something you've heard up in Canada. It's, it's kind of a thing. You've never heard of unschooling? Maybe not. Maybe, I don't know. Feel free. Educate me. Look to. Well, unschooling, um, as a term, it was coined in the 70s by this educator named John Holt. Does that name ring a bell? And, Really, the the whole idea is basically self-directed education. So it's no compulsion. It's no coercion. It's it's allowing kids the freedom and the privilege to really dig into their own passions. And your role as a parent is to be the facilitator of that. 
So a lot of people will stick it under the umbrella of homeschooling, but it it's homeschooling can still be compulsory and it can still be let's sit down and do particular lessons out of curriculum and that sort of stuff like you do in school, but you're doing it at home. A lot of homeschooling will minimize that and maximize the self-directed aspect, right? That's more of like of an eclectic homeschooling. And then unschooling goes, you know, goes all the way. So it's, um, why was I talking about that? Oh, so the whole idea of letting our kids make their own decisions and being there to help them out and this and this, it kind of pairs nicely with the idea, some of the ideas about family that my wife sort of introduced me to being, you know, some from somewhere like Mexico where they don't have this idea of kids turning 18 and getting kicked out of the house. You know, all, yeah, all of their households are multi-generational and extended family. You know, they get, they can get pretty large and there's no stigma around, you know, being a young man or a young woman and still living at home in your parents' basement. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah. It's, it's kind of expected, especially, um, you know, one, you know, typically one of the kids is, is, will probably always have mom and dad living with them, even if they get married and sort of have a bigger place. And then mom and dad move in with them, especially as they get older, because they, they need that help. And so it's very um, back and forth. It's not, we kick you out. And then now that mom and dad are older, and they need help, rather than bringing them in, we're now kicking them into a nursing home. You know what I mean? That's like a very American thing. Both of those ideas, but you don't see that in a lot of these other places where families have to stick together for really for survival, right? Right. Anyway, so... Yeah, just part of that, plus the unschooling, plus the way we're raising our kids. It's just, I don't ever plan on, you know, kicking my kids out. I, you know, I plan on, um, you know, like I said, facilitating whatever they need help with, helping them enter the adult world, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, learning to drive, finding their first job, just to kind of be there to, to be that mentor and to help them go through. But it's like, I don't know, just, just seeing my kid become 18 or 19 or 20. Seems to me like it would be a really, really dumb idea for him to want to spend a significant amount of his income on housing when he'll he'll have a place here. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, it's you so know stupid. what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Like the the, the point I'm, I'm I think I'm driving from this is like I'm not saying like my answer is the right one. We seem to have the same one, but or rather our answer is the right one. It's just most people don't really think about the different options. They kind of just go, well, I'm a Democrat because everyone else is. I'm this because of that. I make this decision because everyone else does. Instead of just going, wait a second, 78% Americans, to use your countries as an example, live paycheck to paycheck. You don't think some of those people could just live together and like make their lives all easier? Like it's just it just makes you know makes zero sense to but like people don't at least you know maybe you know there's definitely many cases where you think about it and you're like, hey, I can't stay with my parents, they're extremely toxic, they're terrible. Yeah, absolutely. But the point I'm driving is like people don't even take the time to reflect on what are the different options based on their own unique experiences, their own path in life. Yeah, no, and that and that's kind of the uh, the converse of that is there there are and I I remember thinking this way because I didn't have the best relationship with my parents. A lot of parents are um, not parenting the best, right? There there's there's either either psychologically or physically they're they're violent and they they've been raising their kids that way. Sure. And so when kids turn 18 and they see a way out legally, 
a lot of the um, compunction to, to do that is on them. It's like, I want to escape. I want to get out of here. I don't want to be with these people anymore because it's been such a, it's been such a bad environment. And, you know, so I kind of celebrate that too, because I like to see people who take that initiative themselves to get out of what they consider to be a crappy situation. I think everybody has that prerogative to do that. So I would, I would never try to stop somebody and say, look, you got to stay with your parents for family obligation reasons. I don't, I don't believe in any of that crap either. So, um, yeah, no, I, I kind of celebrate that, uh, people doing that. Um, if you're in a toxic environment, you, you should get out as soon as, and that's, and that's on the parents for, for being dicks. You know what I mean? It's like, if you want your kids to return to you, especially as you're getting older and you need them to, well, you probably should have done things better when they were younger. You probably shouldn't have been, you know, raising them like Darth Vader would have had he had a chance. Had had he had the chance, <laughs> I, I'm with you, man. Like, wh- like in one way, I think that I think summarizes the thought well. This idea that you can't change the hand that you're dealt. You can only change how you play the hand. Whereas too many people, what they do is they look at everyone else's hand. It's like if everyone was on a poker table. You got your cards. You most people spend way too much time looking at what what Skyler's got in his pocket or what. Somebody else does. You know, and everyone's got different cards. So let's say in my case, my cards were alcoholic father, really supportive mother, amazing sister, and brilliance and technology and communication skills, but also probably shouldn't be dancing. You know, it's like you've got all these different cards and you have to just go. Most people don't spend enough time going, okay, this is my cards. I need to get my, I need to win the hand. So how do I play it out? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. A lot of, a lot of people and I mean, I get it. If if you don't if you don't find mentors in your life, sort of outside of your parents, you know, other adults that you can attach to and learn from, and that sort of stuff. Which I did have in in at least one situation. My my first boss was a bit of a mentor to me, um, and I think it's important for kids to have relationships with several adults. I think you know, grandparents, aunts, uncles, who, whoever they can. I think that's how that's how kids become adults is, is through those relationships. But I don't know. It's like some kids can be stuck in that situation and they just, they just don't know, you know, because they don't have, they don't have anybody guiding them through that. And that can be, that can be beneficial, right? Figuring it out on your own can be beneficial. It can make you stronger in a sense and smarter in a sense, if you can navigate out of that and then look back and, and then at some point in your life, you may have somebody in need of your guidance that, that you'll have the experience to help. But yeah, I'm with you, man. So, so tell me about, I mean, uh, tell me about your YouTube channel. It's called master talk. I'm gonna look it up. Sure. Dude. Have you already started recording by the way? Oh yeah. You know it's, uh, yep. <laughs> I always get people like 20 <laughs> minutes in, like, are you recording? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I start from the beginning. Oh, yeah. Cool, bro. I don't know. Oh, this, this is, is cool. 5,000 subscribers, man. Wow. Yeah, we're trying. Oh, you thanks, become so what fun. you consist. <laughs> oh, you know, it's so funny how like just because you have followers, people associate a higher status to you. Don't you find that interesting? They're just like, uh, oh yeah, Brendan must be like important because he has like so many subscribers. Well, this so this that, this is a good looking channel. I didn't know what to expect, it. but you've got really good thumbnails. You're all you got your turtlenecks on. <laughs> Yeah, bro, I'm, I'm I'm all in on this. You're thing. all cleaned I up. I mean, right now you look like a slob, but in these videos, exactly. wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I do it on purpose. You know, I like I like showing those two sides. You know, I'll I tell like, you I what, like the professional. 
I'm gonna hey, go subscribe. Ahead, there we go. Subscribe. <laughs> That's it, man. That's the win. That's the win of the day, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh I'm on, you know, every time um, you know, I'm kicking back, which is which is often because I'm so privileged here in America. I've got so much free time as we all do. <laughs> I uh you know, I'm usually browsing YouTube like like everybody else and I'm subscribed to a lot of different stuff. Um yours looks pretty interesting. I'll probably watch a couple of videos. I love it, man. I love it. It's very kind of you to say. But yeah, dude, like uh it's been a it's been a fun ride. So and they're they're not too long. They're like anywhere from seven minutes to maybe twelve minutes. Wow, man, you got a lot of stuff here. How many videos do you got? Ninety, ninety-four, I think it said. Ninety-four. Half of them were in my basement, and the other half now are a lot more uh, not in my basement. I think that's the the way of putting it. Wow, man. I guess I'm uh, I'm speaking to somebody a little bit more up there. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love your sarcasm, and it's great. <laughs> Nice touch. It's good. Most most people when I'm on shows are like, "Oh my god, it's like Brenda from Master Talk," and I just love how like real you are. It's good. I like I like your video. Master your body language, your thumbnail. You're all like in your jacket, like turned all sideways, <laughs> kind of like. How can I how can I create the image of body language? Let's do something with my body. That's that's I mean, hilarious. I don't even know what that picture is. I think my designer just uh, put something on there, and he just said, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah, you're you're a handsome boy. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, man. That's, you don't that's have a funny. girlfriend? That's, What's going on there? That's saving money, man. You got to be careful. Oh, you tell me be, about it. Gotta, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. Let's just say I don't want to have kids at twenty-one. Let's put it that way, okay? <laughs> well, let me it's let me tell you. That. that was that was cultural. Okay, so. Oh really? Talk to me about that. Well, your wife, all right. I don't know if you ever. I don't know if you've ever met a Mormon, but the Mormons are kind of like the Catholics. It's all about it's all about having a lot of kids, right? And the thing with with Mormons is you don't have sex before marriage. So if you're really into somebody and you want to have sex, you got to get married. Oh, okay. right. No, that's that's not why I married my wife, but that's kind of that's kind of the joke, right? It's like, you know, why are they getting married so young? It's like, well, because they want to have sex. <laughs> um, no, I just so I I was born in the church. Uh, my family kind of fell away, became inactive. I kind of went went with it. My wife's a convert to the Mormon church, so she kind of, you know, I was falling in love with her, but I, I knew she'd want to get married in a Mormon temple, and I wasn't really in that position. So I'm like, okay, let me let me investigate it a bit and get some of my questions <laughs> answered and, you know, the things we do, right? Can you, like, call a Mormon hotline? Is that how it works? Just kind of just <laughs> no, no, no. I, you know, I had a lot of, like, anti-Mormon stuff in my head, and I just wanted to, like, get with, like, some Mormon scholars and whatnot. And there's there's websites where people can go to to hash things out. Yeah. And so I found a lot of the what are called the apologetics and scholarship, and that was that was really interesting. That was that was that was a really fun intellectual time for me. Anyway, so I got back into the church. We got married in in the temple, um, and it, that's just what I wanted to do. I just wanted to get married, and then it was like, why? You know, looking back, I I wish that I would not have start. You know, got uh, we would not have gotten pregnant so soon after we got married. I would have. I would have. Now it's like I should have. We probably should have given it a couple of years just to enjoy life as a young married couple, not being burdened by children, because they do. They tie you down. Yeah. Um, marriage can tie you down, but having kids, you know, can not that not that up. 
anyway, so yeah, I, you know, I wish I would have done that, but it just, it is what it is. And it's fine. I love my kids. They're great. We have fantastic relationships and they're, I'm, I'm sure you do. Yeah. yeah. Um, but needless to say, I'm, you know, we're not really active in the church anymore and I've philosophically, I've kind of moved away from that. So it's just interesting to see that you, you look back at your life and you see the ins and outs of different things. And it really, what the lesson should be, like you say, the lesson should be that, I mean, what, what is truth, right? What you consider to be true in one area of your era, era or epic of your life is, is changes in the next. So how how married are we to our ideas? You know, mm, that's cool, man. I like it. You know, you know, I think for me is like most people don't admit how much they don't know. Like for example, like there's like three types of knowledge, right? You know what you know, you know what you don't know, but then the vast majority of knowledge is you don't know what you don't know, right? It's like this huge vast array. So anyone who tries to make a decision assuming that they're always right will always be wrong. And so for me, let's say you still were a Mormon. I can't just say, oh, that's wrong or that's right. I have to just go, that's, that's you <laughs> right? until I do more research and talk to those, uh, that hotline you spoke about at those <laughs> challenger meetings hotline. that you went through <laughs> and then make my own decisions. But yeah, exactly. Like I, th- I wish more people did that. Are you, uh, are you religious at all? Oh, no, not really. I'm, uh, I'm pretty, I'm not really hard atheist, but I'm, I live with the assumption that there's nothing after death. And I think that's a smart assumption to live by, because if I'm wrong, then well, I assume I'm going to go to a good place. And if I don't, well, screw whoever's making that decision. And if I don't go anywhere, well, then at least my assumption was right. And I lived with that assumption. Yeah, no, I think I think that's pretty good. And, and you say you say if you're wrong, then screw that person who sends you to a bad place. And or, that's, uh, that's kind of where I, I made my break. It was it was this idea that with a lot of religions they they tell you about these obligations right you've got to do these certain things you've got to you've got to level up through through our our programs and our practices if you want to reach you know the highest level of heaven and so when i when i stepped back and i thought how can i be under any obligation to do what god wants me to do when he hasn't told me about it you know what I mean? How how can somebody hold me to obligations that I don't know that I'm under after I die? You know what I mean? Just because I read about it in a book. I mean, there's a thousand religious books out there talking about different obligations that contradict each other, right? Join our religion, join ours, no ours. So if I die and, and God says, you had the Book of Mormon, why didn't you follow it? I would say, how was I supposed to know I was supposed to follow it, you know? Right. What obligation what, like, am I under? How can you hold me to that and now send me to hell or whatever because I didn't do what I didn't know I was supposed to do? Right. And, and building on that, just really push the analogy. What happens if I get eight out of ten? Do I still pass or do I not? <laughs> right. do, I just go, do, I, do I need a ten? Because everyone doesn't get ten, right? Just, you already make a mistake, you lose your points. So, like, what's the pass rate? Is it 60%? Is it 67 Like, nobody – so I just go, hey, you know what? I'm going to assume that I'm passing. So, uh I'll just live with the assumption that I'm I'm gone forever. Yeah, no, I I like that, and and because of my work with stoicism and stuff, that that idea um, that we're all gonna die, it's gonna happen. That's that's rubbed off on my kids, and I've just seen like my maternal grandmother just passed away. She was 86. She'd been in a nursing home. She's had dementia for a couple of years. And she's been wanting to die for the last six or seven years. 
So when she caught this disease, and it wasn't hard on her. It really wasn't. She was mostly asymptomatic. She just had low oxygen levels. She, she, I believe she saw that as her way out. <laughs> so she took it, you know. Wow. And me and my kids, we always visited her. We were close with her. We cried a bit when we heard the news or when we, when we knew she was sick. But otherwise, they handled it really well. And I think it's because I don't say I talk about it all the time or I talk about it too much, but death, death as a, as an idea comes up all the time, right? They see shows and somebody dies. And so it's, it's kind of just comes up and it's, that's the point I make is we don't know when, but someday we will die. Hopefully I die before you and you die before your kids. And it, it kind of goes in order that way. We hope. We hope. Yeah. Um, and we've also, it's funny because we've also talked about how different places view death, right? There's the Mormon way, which we're not active as a family. They haven't been baptized or anything. So they're, they're really ignorant about a lot of that stuff just because we haven't been indoctrinating them into it. But we, you know, there's still the idea of heaven and hell is kind of in the culture and they get that. But one of, one of the, one of the more interesting things to think about is the idea of like reincarnation either into another human or into another form of life. And so that's an idea that kids can play with. You know what I mean? That's kind of a fun thing. So they're, you know, they're familiar with that. And um, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting to see them deal with death. And I think so far, and their experience is limited, but so far they've dealt with it pretty well. I think that's because of that is. stoic influence, you know. You're a pretty stoic guy, man. You just walk every morning, you eat a granola bar, and you just are very unemotional about it. <laughs> No, no, that's a that's a miss uh, that's a that's a misnomer. <laughs> I know of it. <laughs> no, man, stoics, you know, humans are emotional. Stoics can be emotional. You just you just don't let you don't allow your emotions to affect your decision making. That's the stoic know, insight. Man, I'm, I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> like I said, I am a stoic as well. I follow a lot of that philosophy. Yeah, yeah. the obstacle is the way, man. The obstacles the away. Obstacles that's that's yeah. That's that's the hardest part. It's like you're supposed to, if you really want to grow, you're supposed to go after the obstacles. And it's like I don't want to. <laughs> I want my life to be easy. <laughs> you're like I got a nice wife here. Got some good kids. So no need. But yeah, yeah, no need. Um, so tell me more about some of your some of your interests. Are you uh, are you a car guy? Or I mean, what what are some of the things you like? Star Wars, Star Trek. I I think I think for me, dude, the, the most well, well, there's definitely TV shows. I don't know if you've seen Death Note. You should definitely. You're definitely someone I think would love that show. But anyways, there's that. <laughs> Death but anyways, Note. <laughs> I don't know if you see it, but uh, you seem to be someone who's seen it. I don't know why. But the the other side of it, I, I think for me, the thing that's fascinating is like just asking people uncomfortable questions about their life. That's probably my deepest passion. Like I just go up to people and I say things like, "What are you pretending not to know?" Or if you die tomorrow. Yeah, wait, you go out to people and say, what are you pretending not to know, sir? Yeah, yeah, literally. I just do that for fun. Or if I know them, I have like one interact with them. Or I say, I ask questions like, if you were God, what would you do first and why? Like I just, I, I'm just a very dark character. I do things like that. I watch Death Note a lot. It's a great, great series. <laughs> Don't watch the movie on Netflix, though. It's horrendous. Horrendous. But the, the original series, fabulous. I think I've seen it like four or five times now. That's is it uh, is it an anime or you got it it's basically yeah. uh, the story of a guy really smart japanese student and you know he's handsome you know gets everything he wants he's the number one he's the number one ranked student in japan 
for his uh, for his grade level. But he but there's one problem. He's bored out of life, and then one day you see this notebook fall out of the sky. So it just lands on the gr- grass somewhere in the garden. So anyways, he gets out of class, finds the notebook, says death note. He opens the notebook, and there's a bunch of rules on the first page. And the first rule says the following: whoever's name you write in the death note dies. So obviously he thinks it's a joke. He thinks it's like the stupid notebook. But then later during the day, I'm, I'm spoiling episode one. It's fine. People, so don't don't hate me, please. Okay, there's 37 episodes. It's just beginning. But anyways, so he's at a supermarket, uh, sorry, dep- like a convenience store later. And he looks outside and he notices there's like a bike mo- motorcycle gang that's like trying to rape this girl, like 20 minutes into the show. And then they say the guy's name. So he writes that guy's name and then he gets hit by a truck 45 seconds later. So after he goes back home, and he's like, "That was just coincidence." And then on the TV, there's some there was some hostage situation. There's like uh, some news about some hostage like holding captive like 15 children or something. And they had his name and the guy's face. So he wrote the guy's name, and the guy died too. So then he realized that the that the death was real. And at the end of episode one, he looks at the camera and he goes like this: "I'm going to be the god of this new world, and I'm going to rid the world of evil." So he goes on this quest. With the death note to kill every bad person in the world, it's amazing. It's it's so well done. It's it's so interesting because you have so many conflicting perspectives. You have the guy who's trying to conquer the world and kill everybody, and then you have the police department who's led by this other guy named L who tries to fight him. And then like this crazy mind game. It's super fun. Super. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. No. That that sounds really interesting. Um, yeah. But you say stay away from the Netflix version. They ruined it. I guess. Oh yeah, Jesus Christ! I don't know what you Americans do with the, with the the original stuff, but geez, it's so bad. It's it's, it's an insult to the franchise. <laughs> but check check out the original series. It's in English. You can watch it in English, like in the original series. It's originally in Japanese, but the English dub when it's translated in English, very well done. Yeah, you can just watch it on Crunchyroll or something. Crunchyroll. So I think that's probably available on uh, HBO Max, right? Uh, could be. I'm not sure. But you can definitely watch it. Like you can watch it for free on de- on online. Just go on oh. Crunchyroll.com. You type okay. Death Note, and you could watch it. So you just have ads when you don't pay for the full version. But I think you can watch that in the states. And if you're outside know. of the states, all you have to do is go on YouTube. Yeah, look. You just type. It looks Death like Note. so. I'm on this website. It's called Real Good. R E E L Real and it's kind of a kind of a search index you can put in a show or a movie and it'll tell you what services it's on so it looks like it's on netflix hulu and hbo max oh cool and i've got subscriptions to all those so look at you man yeah look at me but be careful that might be the the movie not the tv series like if it's if it doesn't say 20 minutes 37 episodes. well no yeah it said 2006 it was it was an animated banner or not an animated good. but a, an anime drawn banner yeah then you're good man Tell you, yeah, tell you what, I'm hope, gonna hop over know, to HBO Let me know Max. you find it. It's, uh, it's the show I've ever watched in my life. Like I've tried finding something similar for a decade. I first watched it when I was 12, something like that, when it first came out. I believe. No, I'm trying to do doing the math in my head. No, 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 that's not true. I watched it uh, when I was something like that. Yeah, I watched it when I was 12 the first time, and then after that, uh, I kept watching it every three, four years. Um. Okay, yeah, it is on HBO Max, and it does say thirty-seven episodes. It's got that that weird character that looks—I don't know what what his deal is. Kind of the character you see in the posters and stuff. The monster, yeah, Ryuk, yeah, Ryuk, yeah. Is that okay? He's a he's a god of death. Okay, cool. I just yeah, I just added it to my list, so I'll check that yeah, out. Yeah, you'll man. have a lot of fun. Yeah, have fun with it. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, so Batman, I just had, yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, are you are you big into anime, or is that is that the limit? Uh, like I, I watch quite a bit of anime, but not probably not in recent years. But it's definitely influenced a lot of the way that I think. So, for example, if you think about the main character in Death Note, like Yagami, who is the guy who goes on to become that serial killer, essentially, or whoever you inter- however you interpret the way he lives, anyways. That's what's fascinating, right? There's a lot of gray in, in Death Note. You don't really know if what he's doing is good or bad. That's the beauty of it. Is uh, you know, I, I really admire him for many reasons. Not this, not this whole like because he's going on a killing spree, but because he's always trying to fight boredom in his life. And I've been very similar in that way. So let's say like the beginning, it was get out of poverty. I need to get out of poverty really, really fast. And then I did. And then I was like, okay, make more money. And then I made more money. And then I was like, okay, so what do I do now? I'm really bored. And I was like, why don't I start a YouTube channel called Master Talk, where I can democratize the world's information and be bigger than Dale Carnegie ever was. And I was like, oh, that's more cooler. Oh, vision. So then I just go out. So I'm always fighting boredom at the end of the day, even if Master Talk's very filling work. And I love the impact it's making. It's mostly just to feed my own endless cycle of boredom. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's a first world problem. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. I don't know if you've seen the documentary Free Solo before, but the guy Alex Honold who climbs El Capitan. Anyways, the short story. You should see that too. Add that to your list. It's it's scary as hell. Like basically, what he does. I don't know. Are you familiar with what free solo climbing is? Uh, yeah, like rock climbing without any ropes or safety harnesses or whatever. So if you make a mistake, you just die. Yeah. And, and Alex is the is the number one free solo climber in the world. And basically the documentary is him climbing one of the biggest walls in the world without any rope. So it, it's crazy. And obviously, spoiler, you know, he makes it to the end and he's still alive. But I mean, but the idea is just like, like, why would you ever put yourself through that? That makes no sense. And what he says and the documentary that I very much resonated with, by the way, it just—it's just for me. It manifests differently. It's not like I'm going to climb a wall. I'll be dead in two weeks if I do that. Probably in two days. But uh, in his world, the way he sees it, he's like, "Me and my girlfriend value happiness differently. Like my girlfriend loves comfort and family and like shopping, whereas me, it's about doing great things." You know, every single year I looked at that wall and I said, "There's no way in hell I'm going to free solo this wall." But then I asked myself, "What if I did?" What lies on the other side of that? And what lies on the other side of that is other kids will grow up trying to beat me in the same way that who who would have Michael Jordan become? Like, who would he have become if he watched his own documentary when he was 14? It's like that idea when your your barometer is set very high that you kind of want to go above it. So basically what he's, what he's saying is completely insane to 99% of humanity. It's just literally like, what are you talking about? But I understand what he's coming from. Is it, we all drive happiness from different areas. That's all. Yeah. Um, that's that's not the same movie. I don't think that's the same movie, but confirm it for me. That's not the same movie of the guy who has to, like, chop off his own leg because he gets stuck in a rock, right? No, that's something. I've heard of that. I don't think I've seen that one, but uh, I've heard of that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. I think Joe Rogan actually had the real guy on his podcast, and he was talking to him about it. But that was kind of oh, like the guy know. was out there doing that kind of stuff, and he got stuck under a rock, and he was there for like Holy days shit. and days and days, and eventually he had to cut his cut his own leg off or his own arm off or something. Yeah, something crazy. I I remember hearing that story. I don't know it in full though, but uh, yeah, pretty crazy shit. Yeah, and I I think they made a movie about it too. Um, okay, so free solo. Yeah, no, I've I've seen that. I think it's like on Netflix and stuff. So, wow, what else? What else do you recommend? <laughs> 
yeah, dude, we could spend the whole episode just talking about this, but uh, what else? I have a whole playlist that send you my favorite like knowledge insights on the world. Cause, cause the way that I live my life to add more flavor to this for, for somebody who's still listening to us for some reason is this, uh, this idea that, you know, the way I live my life is I try and get as many tape recorders as possible. I'm like a tape recorder collectors. What does that mean? I try and collect as many experiences of other human beings. So I, I live a, uh, I live a mistake for life. So you optimize my number one resource in the best possible, which is my time, of course, and in, in the same way it is for you. Look, for example, like this morning, I was very saddened to hear that Tony Shea passed away, who's the CEO of Zappos, right? A very successful entrepreneur, you know, very, very, very loved by all of his employees. It's very rare when you see a billionaire who's loved by all of his employees. It's, it's not a, it's a very rare sight to see. So, you know, he's been an incredible, he died at 46, got into a house fire. Connecticut, very tragic. But anyways, the point I'm driving is I'm very, I'm very uh, obsessive about following other people's experiences. And that's what's fascinating about this medium that we're communicating through right now, podcasting. Because now we live in a world where you don't have to read people's books, right? You don't need to waste 10 hours, 12 hours of your life. This is my perspective. To read somebody, I could just listen to 12 different people in that same time frame. Listen to an hour and two Ryan Holiday, see if he actually adds value. He does quite a bit of I've read a lot. I've read Conspiracy. It's a really good book. But anyways, like I just, you know, and I do that for 12, but I did that since I was 17. So now I'm 24. I've probably listened to thousands of podcast interviews. And it's based on those different frames of mind that I make better decisions. So I'll give you an example. I, I'm the kind of person, just to, give you a, just to give you like a frame, I'm the kind of person who listens to divorce lawyers on how to avoid divorce when I've never been in a relationship in my life, let alone gotten married. Like it makes no sense. So I always try and think about how do I avoid the pitfall before the pitfall is even there it's, or even or even if there's a sign of a pitfall. So I'm pretty maniacal about some of the best uh, things. Like I could I could just keep dropping different things for like an hour, but that's kind of the general framework. <laughs> well, give me give me some of your podcast recommendations. I'm just curious. I'm always looking oh, for new geez. podcasts. I've, I'm subscribed to 100 of them and I listen to them all day long while I do my work. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, I Dude, love I'll, I'll give you like off the record I, after okay. the show's over. I'll give you like my full, uh, my top. This is like a, my, and you should make one yourself also. This is kind of like for people who, once again, who are still listening. What I recommend is uh, your best stuff you should put in like a play, YouTube playlist and trade playlists with other people. I think that's the most efficient way to accumulate knowledge. So what I do is the nine smartest, nine or ten smartest people in my network is we, we trade YouTube playlists. Hmm. Well, they haven't made theirs yet, but I, I kind of book them so they can give me uh, their list. And then when you make that playlist and you sort it, let's say, by time length, let's say five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, whatever, then you just share it with other people. That's the best value you can give to society. If you're someone that you want to help, you want to help other people, and you don't have any money resources, that's an easy thing to do. So I'm happy to share you that playlist, but I would say if I'm naming podcast titles in particular. Yeah, just like your top I'm very, three. I'm, I'm very religious about three in particular. Okay. Uh, first one is Seth Godin's Akimbo. Seth's just a very oh, interesting you know, thinker. I was subscribed to him for a bit. I don't remember. I unsubscribed from him. I think it may have just been general cleanup because I, I have so many. Um, but his was pretty high quality, I remember. Yeah, Kimbo is a work of art. Like I'm, I'm nuts. I've, act, I think I'm one of the few listeners in the world who has listened to every single one. Like I'm nuts. Uh, and I'll send you his, my, my favorite top five. But what's fascinating about Seth is he, he really plays the medium perfectly. I find because let's say you t- you think about interview style podcast. This is great. I mean, this conversation is excellent. But Seth goes, he's like, well, if if it doesn't really matter what the length is, I might as well just 
be a solo episode. It, it takes a lot more work, obviously. But every nugget is gold. Like he has an episode called The Regular Kind that I have no clue why I gave away for free. Like I listened to those like 35 minutes and I was like, holy fuck. Like that was, he literally explained how the world worked in like 35 minutes and you're just like, and everyone's like static. Anyways, I am very, I'm very a big, huge fan of Seth Godin. So highly recommend that podcast. Okay. Kimbo's probably the best, best value for your time. If you're going to a Kimbo, start with the first episodes. Not, the latest ones aren't very good. I'll be honest. He's running out of ideas. The first couple of ones, the, when he started the podcast, are just like, like you're just like, what the hell? It's crazy. That's one. Second is uh, Lewis Howes' School of Greatness. I think the reason I like Lewis, mostly early days, once again. Once again, uh, I, I only recommend specific episodes within Lewis's arsenal. He has a lot of episodes, and a lot of them aren't particularly amazing. But I would say a lot of them are really good as well. Like the one he did, had with Marissa Peer, the one he had with um, Dr. Shafali, who's a parenting expert. And, oh, uh, Shafali. Yeah, I love her. She's a big oh, peaceful parenting. Um, I discovered her late, later after I was already made that transition to peaceful parenting. Um, but yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, she, she blew my mind. And the episode she did with Lewis, it's just like, yeah. So there's that. And then there, yeah, she's got, he's got a bunch of other experts. So I, I recommend Lewis's podcast. But I'm happy to send specifics. You can just send me a message and I'll send you my playlist. But the third thing, it's all just publicly available on YouTube. And the third thing is... Uh, uh, Tom Billy's impact theory. Um, I, I like I like the way Tom interviews guests. It's pretty nuts. He I believe the interview he did with Gary Vaynerchuk is probably the best interview he ever did. Like that ever that exists on Gary V by far. Like he does so much research on the guests that it's almost frightening. Like it, literally, he's like at one point in the interview, he's like, "So on episode like 137 of Wine Library, your dad cried and then you cried and then you guys just left it. Like what happened there?" And he's just like. Like even Gary's just like what the fuck, so yeah, it was it was a really good episode. Like it was mind blowing too. Those are the top three. There's other stuff that I listen to as well, like uh, just weird stuff that usually the general public wouldn't listen to, like the All In podcast by Shamat Paliapatia. He he was like, the vice president of growth at Facebook and all that stuff. And they just they're all billionaires essentially on a show who just shoot the shit. So it's just it's just great to see how like th- these minds are like insane. You got people who are like doing incredible shit, like the early investors and like. Robinhood, Uber, all these technology companies who kind of just shoot the shit just for fun of it. You get to tune into their conversations. It's like nuts. Yeah. I don't recommend that for most people. Just I do that because I'm a technology investor, but uh, that's another thing. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, Seth Godin is probably number one on my list. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll uh, yeah, no, I want to check those out and I'll, I'll link them, of course, here as well. Yeah, um, just linked everything I said. We'd have like a whole library already. It's just like <laughs> you gotta watch Death Note and all this. So you got a lot of homework to do. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's great. Um, so, so you're you're in the middle of your YouTube channel. You're doing this stuff. What are your what are your what are your future plans? What do you see going forward? Yeah, for sure. You, you know the way that I operate is. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Warren Buffett's focus framework, but I'm happy to share it for listeners. Uh, basically, the, how the story goes. Warren Buffett's on a plane once in his private jet, obviously, and he's talking to his, his pilot. And he's like, uh, what do you want out of life? And then his pilot just looks at him and he goes, oh, you know, Warren, you know, I, lo- I have a pretty good life. I mean, you pay me well, a good family. But, you know, Warren's a pretty cool guy. He's, he's like pushing. You know, he meets students every year. He's a really cool guy. So he, he's really pushing. So he's like, uh, but why don't you tell me what, what you want to be doing in life? And it, the pilot was still confused. So Warren takes out a piece of paper. And then he goes, write down 20 things that you want to do before you die. It's like your 20-thing bucket list. So you can write, um, you know, uh, travel to 50 countries, have kids, whatever, 20. And then he looks at him and he goes, pick five things out of those 20. 
that are your top five. Then he picks the five. And then Warren looks at it. He says, spend your life doing those five things because you won't have time for anything else. So that's what Warren refers to. I just call it the Filks framework. But it's basically the way that uh, Warren focuses in his life. So if you think about, like, uh, not to say, by the way, I'm not speaking on Warren on behalf of his wealth. That's irrelevant. It's more about the way that his lifestyle I find very fascinating. Sure. In the sense that he, he has very little distractions in his life. He's still in the same house that he grew up with. The only reason he changed cars recently is because it broke. He only started using an iPhone like five years ago. Up until then, he had a, I think it was 10 years ago. So, but up until then, he had a flip phone. Like, and he still lives in Omaha. Like, it's very, very little distraction. He has McDonald's in the morning for breakfast. Like, it's very much the same day. So, he's very focused on a very small subset of tasks and he says no to everything else. And obviously, it's worth pointing out it depends what kind of success you're looking for in life. But let's say if you think about me in particular in my frame of mind, my goal. Is to, is to build a significant contribution for humanity. Because I believe that's the only interesting thing for me left to do in the world, which is an interesting thing I can keep working on for, until I pass. And, and for me, it just ended up being public speaking. I, I think the sad part of Dale Carnegie's narrative is he was born at the wrong time period of history. He had a lot of great tips, great advice, but he can't guest on a show like me. He can't start a YouTube video just channel because he just wasn't around for that. And I just get this unique opportunity to do that. And I, I find that super cool and fascinating. So, so for me, the goal is I, I only have three priorities in my life, really. And one of them is making master talk the, the number one thing in the world. So I spend all my time focused on that pretty much in a very obsessive-like manner. So, so I think the message for people is find what those things are for you. Is, is it like spending three days a week with your family? Is it like uh, going having dinner with your friends every night? Whereas for me, it's just like being successful. So, so everyone has their own priorities. You just got to figure out your own. Wow, awesome. Yeah, you're making you're making me think. <laughs> this um this podcast and I've actually do two podcasts and my website it's all it is all just a labor of love. It it's it's my way of sort of it's kind of my release valve I guess in in ways cuz most of my podcasting is solo, you know, they're like 20 25 30 minute episodes of me just riffing on different yeah. ideas. And, you know, once in a while I, I get somebody to chat with and that's always fun to learn more about them. You're like, yeah, I get to talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's funny because I, so for my job, uh, most of my income, I've got some side income, but most of my income comes from me just going out for three hours at lunch and three hours at dinner and delivering food around the city, you know. And I see people, you know, because I'm picking up food. Um, so I see people, but there's not a lot of interaction. It's, it's kind of a lonely job, Yeah, yeah I see. you know, so to kind of not feel so lonely, I got my podcast, it, podcast in my ear, just playing. I'm listening to that. Sometimes if the host at a restaurant or somebody is not too busy, I'll, I'll sit and chat with them and I've gotten to know some people and made some friends that way, but it's still, yeah, it's still pretty lonely. So yeah, I'm able to come here and just sort of unload and, and, I bring a lot into my mind, you know, with the podcasting and the YouTube, you bring a lot in and then you gotta, you gotta have some outlet to, to push it all back out. So I, uh, I had the same issue, by the way, uh, I, I, I resonate with a lot of what you said in the sense of, especially when you get too deep into personal development, like we have, you almost get alienated from most people. Cause it's like, wait, you haven't seen Shafali's episode on parenting, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so, so my advice to you actually, that I think you might find useful when COVID's over is to start attending personal development conferences. It is a completely different experience, man. 
listening to the podcast and meeting the community of people who listen to the podcast. It's nuts. Like Lewis is a good example. I went to Summit of Greatness last year for COVID hit. The experience is mind blowing because it's in the middle of nowhere. It's in Columbus, Ohio. I met a couple of people from Salt Lake too flew out, but but it's the point I'm driving is these are everyone. Everyone's a super fan. Everyone's just there to meet other people. It's like the weirdest utopian. It's almost like scary where you kind of go up to people and you're like, so what are you passionate about? Every single person, dude, put your hand, they put your hand on your shoulder and they go, it's Skylar. What are you passionate about? How can I support you? Like, this is fucking weird. <laughs> like, where the fuck am I? Like, this is so bizarre. And, and that's, that's what Summit is. And I just, I just fell in love with personal development. Con- I just love the raw, raw conferences. I just meet a lot of incredible people. And that's what I was going to do this year, by the way. Like, I went to all of them pretty much until COVID hit. But when COVID's over, I'm going to go back to, to these events and just go meet to all these raw, raw people and just sing Kumbaya. And these are my troops, you know, just go. <laughs> so that's my recommendation, man. Yeah, yeah, and I'll have to look look at that. There's there's a lot of a lot of different stuff that that um, comes through Salt Lake. Uh, we've got you know convention centers that are always have something going on, so I'll have to pay attention to some of that stuff. But yeah, it, it's always nice to, even if they're total strangers, to to meet up with somebody you you kind of already know you have something in common with, right? Maybe it's uh your fans of the same kind of thing, or like I used to organize um, these monthly dinners you know, to talk philosophy and stuff with, with people that cool. are kind of like-minded and you'd kind of, you know, eat and chat. And it was, it was, you can kind of get your adult interaction that way too. Um, so, you know, and then I, and then I stopped using Facebook. So I stopped doing that. <laughs> that was over a year ago and then COVID hit. So I don't, you know, that wouldn't be probably happening anyway, but um, yeah, but a friend of mine recently in, uh, alerted me to a, a new, it's like bi-weekly. It's kind of a get-together thing here that, that people do. So I may, um, I think it's tomorrow, I may check that out with him. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's important. It's important to do that. Um, and <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of a, another one of those first world problems where you can be isolated in a world full of people. You know what I mean? Because it's so easy to to, to meet all of your own needs and not have to interact with, with a lot of other people. Um, but we, we need it as people, we need social interaction because we're social creatures. And so it's great. I socially interact with my kids and my wife and, you know, in-laws, um, but that only goes so far. So yeah, it is important to reach out and find new people and other adults and, and have conversations and get to know them. And that, and that's why, it's cool. So you're you're my like I said, you're my third guest from that matchmaker.fm website and the conversations have been great, you know. I I talked to one lady who's my first conversation was with a lady who who's published a couple of books focused on the idea of teaching kids and adults that their body is their own, you know, the importance of consent and that kind of stuff. Um, and she's a, she's a young mom. And so we had, you know, we're both young parents and, um, and into that sort of thing of children and consent and stuff. And so that was a good conversation. And you might be interested with the second person I spoke with. She, she runs a consulting business where she uses something called, um, the Colby Corp assessment. It's, it's, it's like a mental assessment of not just personality, but a lot of other things going on inside each person, <laughs> in order to help businesses better, 
use their employees, right? Better understand their strengths and their weaknesses. So it's kind of a personal development type thing. Um, and that was, that was interesting. That was an interesting conversation. And then of course, this one I think has been pretty interesting. So yeah. Do you, do you, I'm just curious, do you, um, I haven't, I haven't done this as a guest. I haven't gone out and like tried to message people and come on their show. I've just sat back and let people message me. Do you go on a lot of other podcasts and how's that been? Oh yeah. I'm pretty nuts with uh, the podcast guesting. I, I think the reason going back to life priorities, you know, my number one priority in life besides my family and my own personal growth and development, which is the two other things on the list is making master talk successful. And plus it's also a lot of fun for me. It's like the best way to promote a YouTube channel. You kind of like chat with a guy who's already listening to Stoic, who's probably going to listen to the YouTube channel. I get to have just a chat and just chill it on my mattress and not have to worry about looking good like I do on my, my YouTube videos. So yeah, man, no, I've guessed it on quite a bit of shows and it's been a cool experience. You get to meet so many cool people. It's not even about the promotion, actually, if I'm being honest. I just have so many cool friends across the world. Like I, I meet this, there's this guy, I was on a show, he's in uh, New Zealand. He's like starting this company. I think he's going places. And I just met him through Matchmaker because I just pitched him. I just said, oh, I'm on your show. He's like, sure. And uh, yeah, so that was cool. Yeah, there's some other guy uh, named Billy and he's got a show too. Yeah, like Jordan Harbinger on, all these different people. He's really cool too. He's like a Tesla executive. I was like, what the fuck? Why are these people talking to me? I was like, I'm just some dude. Look at my hair, man. Like, why are they talking <laughs> to me? I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy experience. I, I think what I realized from podcast guesting is you get to meet people that you normally wouldn't have access to, and you also get to meet people that you never normally wouldn't be able to cross paths with. Like in this very conversation we're having, if you never attend a personal development conference, the chances of me and you meeting at any point in time in life, if it wasn't for this podcast, would literally be zero. Yeah. Right? Like zero. I, I'm, like I'm zero. not going to meet most people. <laughs> right? right? Yeah, you're not going to meet most people. Right, exactly. So, so I think what's fa- cool about, you know, ever since COVID hit and all my events kind of went to zero, my revenue and my business kind of went to zero too. I recovered most of it though, but the point of driving is like, uh, since I couldn't go to my personal development events anywhere, I was like, what the hell do I do? Like, uh, how do I, and I'll send you a cool networking platform you can use to meet a bunch of other cool people. It's all free and stuff. Okay. And you'll cool. enjoy that. It's like an event. You like meet 10 people in an hour. It's so cool. CEO is really nice too. But anyways, the point of driving is like, um, the, this idea that I needed to find a way to reinvest the time. And somebody gave me the idea to guest on shows. And I was like, you could do that. So I just started messaging people that worked out. People seem to like the YouTube channel and you seem to have one to be on without even looking at it. So I guess that's great too. <laughs> so there you go, man. Uh, so yeah, all's well that ends well. So I'm just going to keep guesting on shows before uh, COVID is over. And then I'm going to go back to business as usual and fly out around the world and meet a bunch of cool people and have a lot of fun. Have you have you ever thought about starting your own podcast where these cool people you're meeting you you, t- you take an hour and sit down and just have an informal chat and talk about it and then just release that you know once a week or whatever? Yeah, it's a great question. A lot of people ask me that, but the the, the way I think about it, Skylar, it's a, it's like the like I'm a very competitive person. Like I'm like dangerously competitive. Obviously, you, you probably can't tell from looking at me and looking at me and look at. Crazy, but like the well, the, the, the guy, the, the guy in your your thumbnails, he looks competitive right now. Yeah, you he's don't competitive, look very competitive as fuck. He's very uh, he doesn't mess around, right? So like, so my goal is to be number one in my niche, right on YouTube, right? Like I want it. The reason I want to be the best, if I'm being honest, besides my own ego, which is definitely a part of that. Let's be honest. The other side of that is 
I just find it crazy that other speech coaches in my industry who make way more money than me don't share free information. So let's say somebody like you, I don't know. Yeah, I want to pick on you. But let's say you want to get better at communication, but you don't have $100,000 or $10,000 or $5,000 to invest in like a speech coach, which is usually what the rates go for. If you want the full package, what do you do? You want to get better at podcasting, you want to share your ideas better. You got nothing, man. You can't read a book and learn public speaking. Yeah, sure. Talk like Ted. It's great. I mean, yeah, sure. Read it. But but like you can't, it doesn't teach you how to speak. So I was like, well, what are we doing for those people? And that's where my frustration came. It's like, okay, well, now at least now you know I exist. Now, if you don't want to listen to them, that's cool. But at least now you know it exists, right? So so for me, that's why I want to be number one. I'm, I, I kind of uh, think of myself as like a Robin character in the sense like I like taking money from wealthy people. And keeping most of the money, of course, I'm a selfish bastard, but also reallocating that, um, that IP that I have in my head for free for everyone to learn from me. So, uh, so yeah, I'm very, very competitive. So because I'm very competitive, I don't spend my time on, on, po- on creating my own podcast because I know I can't be number one at it. I just know. For, like if you look at all the podcasts I follow, you know, and they're similar, you know, Joe Rogan, Lewis. Tom, you know, because I because I ask myself the question that most people don't, right? Most people look at these people and they go, "Oh wow, look at them! They're so successful." I go, "What's the back end to this? Like, what makes them really successful?" There's one episode Lewis did where he breaks down A to Z how to run a podcast. I was like, "This guy does not fuck around." Like, holy shit! Like, he's like swearing half the time. He never swears on the show. <laughs> that one episode, he's like, so, "You're like." I'm not messing with this person. I, I can't build this. I can't do this. So that's why I put all my energy into guesting on shows and doing the thing I know I can be number one at, which is public speaking coaching. I don't think anyone in the world can can do do it like me because I'm very young. And that ended up being my, my advantage because I became the youngest speech coach, to my knowledge anyways, at 22. I started coaching C, C-suite executives when I was like 23 or something. So because of that at time advantage, most people on YouTube who are generally PhDs or master degree students, those are usually the range, they're in their 40s. So by the time I'm 40, they're already retired and I'll be 15 years into YouTube. So, so I don't think I'll be beat as long as I just focus on that one niche. So that's the short answer. I'll only start a podcast when, uh, when, uh, after I hit like 100K subs or something. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, we're over an hour, so I'll let you go. Um, besides, so I'll link to Master Talk, your YouTube channel. Is there anything else you want to plug besides everything we've talked ah. about <laughs> no, that's, yeah but oh, i hope i hope people take out i guess i can leave with the book recommendations as well might as well sure. add one yeah. yeah so i don't read a lot of books but there's one book on communication and public speaking that i recommend and it's mine no i'm kidding i don't book <laughs> okay it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a book called uh, i'm just kidding it's, it's called thirst by scott harrison so scott is the ceo of charity water he's a nonprofit. he started to help get access to clean drinking water i think the guy's really smart and, and storytelling and messaging. He's one of the few people who's actually applying the advice we're talking about. We don't really talk about advice today, but you know, the advice I have on the YouTube channel, he actually applies it. He doesn't just keep it in theory. He actually does it and he's done it very well. I think, I think he's the best example of how to make an impact in the world and how to do it right. So I, I highly recommend The Ring. It's, it's the number one book I've read in my life. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll link to that too. Well, this was fantastic meeting you. Um, I really didn't know what to expect. Your note said teaching kids public speaking, but it's obviously a lot more than that. You got a lot more than that going on. So <laughs> I'm lazy with the application forms. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's cool. Yeah, I just I throw a few questions on there just to just to give me some idea of, what, of who I'm speaking with. But 
Um, no, that's that's amazing. I'm I'm really going to check out. I'm I'm really actually interested in that Death Note uh, show. Dude, let so. me know, man. Dude, the email is always open. I'd love to get your thoughts, and I want your YouTube playlist as well. If you ever make it, and I'll send you mine. That's yeah, if I ever make one. it, I, I usually just hit like on stuff. Um, I think that creates kind of an auto likes playlist. I don't know. I'll have to look into that, but it, it's all kinds of random stuff. It's it's nothing too. Most of my really impactful stuff comes through podcasts, you know, which isn't like a. Um, I mean, so, I could, some yeah. podcasts have the video version. You could put the the reason is right. because it's very shareable. So let's say in your community in Salt Lake, let's say there's three other people in the city like you. What's great is like if you all because I have those communities with me, right? But if you have that with you, you can send that place to everyone, and you can get access to episodes you never would have thought of watching. Like, oh, uh, Skylar, you got to watch episode one sixty seven of the No Frills podcast. You're like, what the hell is that? And then you watch it, and you're like, whoa, like what the hell is this? Right? So yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, I'll look into that. Well, all right, man. Um, what time is it there? I don't know. It's like 11, 11, 11. Okay, right. So you're you're over there in the Eastern. Yeah, um, like yeah. Okay, great. I'll link to all that. It was great talking with you. Likewise, man. Dude, wishing you all the best with everything. And don't be shy to shoot me an email. Yeah, likewise. Cool, man. Take it easy. Please send your comments and questions to everythingvoluntary at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast and everythingvoluntary.com by setting up an automatic monthly donation at patreon.com forward slash EVC. One-time donations are also accepted at paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. Will you do us a big favor? Will you rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening from? That really helps. And one more thing, please share the podcast with your friends. We really appreciate it.